Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter, at MMALOTN. Today, we're going to be breaking down UFC London, which is head by, headlined by Darren Till and Jorge Masvidal, the return of Jorge Masvidal. I'm so happy to have this motherfucker back in the UFC. Um, but before we actually get into any of these breakdowns, I got to bring in my boy, as always, Big Rob. Yeah. What's up? What's up? Hey, guys. So uh, today on the casuals, we're going to be looking at Tim Means versus Nico Price from this past weekend's UFC Wichita card. Uh Wild fight from what most of you will remember. A lot of you probably lost money on this, but it's all good. I actually hit an underdog bet on this, so I'm happy with that. But uh, we're going to be starting off with 40 seconds left in the first round. Uh, I'll kick it off for my man, Big Rob, uh, and he can enjoy the chaos that ensues. Okay. So both guys are pretty decent strikers. I say the guy in the black is a little bit more wild and and reckless. Okay. Nico Price, that is. They're very oh. quick, these guys. Yep. Ooh. A guy in the black skin lit up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, he's hit again. <laughs> oh, whoa. 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 How, what happened? How did that happen? So, did, so, he, did he trip? No. no, he fucking clocked him, dude. I was fast. I was too fast for me. Right? Like, okay, let's see this. For that other guy was getting fucked up. Nico Price oh. was getting fucked up. Oh, whoa, oh, oh. whoa. So there's two things that actually happened in this knockout. Okay. Obviously, he got knocked out or yeah. he got dropped. And then he snapped his ankle. He broke his ankle. At the same he time? He broke his tibula, too. Snapped oh. it. So I'll show you in the replay. Did he do that while he was left on, like, So on, after, as he was dropping, like his body was he didn't have that much control over his body oh and like just the weight like you have no sense no muscles are engaged trying to stop your leg from being in that awkward position oh yeah yeah, yeah. and your body weight just fucking falls on it so wait for the the replay so it's actually watch the knockout okay. first boom oh oh so it's his right leg you'll see it better in the next so uh, his leg right play. now is done yeah watch you'll see his leg kick up here but watch his right leg here watch his right leg so oh, watch his ankle. Oh, he hit him right in the jaw. And oh, and I see it. It's all... Oh, that's not good. Nope. Oh, fucking horrible. And it's just the way he landed, too. Yeah. He landed perfectly. The guy got a little bit reckless with his striking, and then Ooh. this guy, you know, all he needs is one big shot to, like, knock some of these guys out. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And he was getting fucked up, too. Look at his face. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought he, I thought He's he getting fucked was up. done. I thought... Yeah. Pretty much the whole fight was going that way, where that guy was just picking him apart, picking him apart, and then one small opening. This guy is just so strong; like he's knocked guys out from ridiculous positions, like being on your back and strike. I'll show you this one next week, probably. But like pretty much, he's lying on his back, striking upwards against gravity, okay, and still knocks the guy out. Yeah, <laughs> like it's nuts, and yeah, that's power. Uh, <laughs> Right, like not only did he get knocked out, he's like, I can't, walk. I can't walk, I yeah. cannot walk. That's got to be the worst. Lose a couple brain cells plus break a bone or two. Oh, that's a double whammy. Fucking <laughs> such monstrous finish by Nico Price, but unfortunate end for uh, Tim Means there. Wow. All right, thanks, thanks, Rob. Appreciate it no as always. All right, let's fucking get into uh, breaking this bitch down. Uh, for, actually, first off, we're going to go over UFC uh, Wichita. 
yeah, UFC Wichita. This is weird. For some reason, Bet MMA uh, dot tips has uh, UFC Fight Night one forty six uh, labeled as if it was in Anaheim. So it kind of threw me off a little bit. But uh, so well, let's go over UFC Wichita. Um, I came out on a slight losing edge. Um, you know, one bad decision kind of just ruins the whole night. Uh, not really ruins, you know. It, it was a minor loss. I'm not too mad at it, uh, especially with the potential uh, uh, profit that could have been made if uh, a certain decision went our way. But again, this is a game where shit happens, but I'll get into that when I get to that fight. So I'm just going to start off right at the bottom of it. Uh, I had Tim Boach. Uh, so 0.25 units on Tim Boach to win in round three against Omari Akhmadov. Uh, you know, Akhmadov paced himself a lot better. You know, I'll give that to him. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, I, th- I thought at plus 1,000 odds, a 0.25 unit stab on that prop was crazy. Uh, we all know what our... Uh, what our <laughs> we all know what our Omari Akhmadov's gas tank is like after two and a half rounds or even one and a half rounds. Uh, so... I thought it was worth a shot at that point. There are guys that will always fade in that third round. And uh, Omari may be that guy once again next time, depending on who he is fighting and if that person will have enough gas to actually make an impact and actually get that third round finish. Uh, next, we had a 0.5 unit uh, play on Nico Price to win inside the distance. I believe that was plus 241. That was a great, uh, you know, that was a great pick. I, I, I you know, Technically, uh, Nico Price was not meant to win that fight. Tim Means was doing everything proper. Tim Means was making sure his punches were good. You know, he he did have a lot of success on the feet. He was lighting Nico Price up. Uh, and but the only thing is, Nico Price is quite a durable guy. You know, besides his loss to uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, but that guy's a fucking beast and probably punches harder than anybody you guys know. But uh, you know. I think that Nico Price was going to be able to withstand some of Tim Means' uh, punishment. Uh, I wasn't confident enough to bet him straight up and even put more money on it. Uh, I thought, you know, there's always the chance that he can land that one bomb, and he did. He fucking found the he found the the, the target, and uh, we profit right there at one point two units. But uh, I always think that there's a there's a price. <laughs> there's a price. <laughs> I always think that there's a there's a chance when you have Nico Price in a fight, uh, especially if it's going to be something that takes place in the in the stand up realm for the for the majority of it. Uh, so next after that, my next dog of the night play was uh, Lewis to win inside the distance. Kind of the same thing like Nico Price. Right? I mean, Nico, Lewis always has a, a serious puncher's chance. Uh, he did hit Junior a lot of times, but Junior didn't. You know, he he's starting to distance himself a little bit from those chin issues that a lot of people were thinking that he had. So uh, kudos to Junior Dos Santos, you know, kudos to my 0.5 unit stab, but it is what it is. I had to take that shot. I thought it was worth it, plus 210, but uh, only a 0.5 unit loss there. Uh, and then my other two dog of the night plays, Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos. You know, I wish I went a little bit harder on this. You know, I knew that... Uh, Zaleski was going to look for the takedowns, uh, or at least be the first person to look for a takedown in this fight, even though he's such a, you know, highly acclaimed striker and creative striker. But with Curtis Miller, you're getting a guy that's very disciplined, you know, won't overextend himself, uh, to get clipped, uh, uses length very well. But the one thing that's lacking is his takedown defense. And I think that Zaleski has shown in his past fights that he has good enough skills to get the fight to the ground if he needs to. Uh, and that Curtis Miller fight, you know, I don't even know how long it took. It did not take that long at all for Zaleski to get this fight to the ground and then eventually pull off the submission. So 
I wish I went a little bit harder, but I'm not mad at myself for actually, you know, taking the shot on Zaleski here. Uh, one unit at plus 200. Plus 100, sorry. Plus 100. <laughs> uh, and then we had my next dog of the night play, which was Ben Rothwell against Blago Avanov. You know, I scored a 29-20 Ben Rothwell. I thought he won clearly uh, second and third. Uh, I think it was second and third. I don't know why the fuck I can't remember, but for sure I know I had him winning two rounds, uh, and so did a lot of other fucking people. Pretty much everybody had that for Ben Rothwell, except for the judges at, uh, or except for two of the judges at uh, UFC, which maybe I think that was a split decision. Uh, regardless, that's minus one unit. Thought the value was there, but the judges weren't. So fuck it, whatever. Uh, my first dog of the night, or sorry, my first lock of the night play was Jeff Hughes over Maurice Green. What the fuck? Like, you just beat this guy. April 2018. It's not even been a full year since you beat this guy. You know the game plan is there. You fucking did it over five rounds you were to you were able to impose your game plan on this guy with ease i don't understand the lack of urgency to get a takedown from jeff hughes it was kind of concerning like midway through that second round i'm like okay he should have at least shot for three takedowns at this point and he only had that one at the end of the first round where he didn't even try that hard in my opinion uh maybe it was the ufc jitters i want to kind of chalk it up to that but I was very surprised that Jeff Hughes, you know, sat back as much as he did when he had, you know, he had all the confidence on his side. He had the mental advantage, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Maurice Green looked horrible look coming into this fight as well. So, like, everything leading up to the fight had Jeff Hughes winning this fight. Like, there's, I, I could not see any con as to why not to bet Jeff Hughes here. Like, some people might think the odds were a little bit too long on it, but, like, Fuck, like, I thought it was just a, a, a gift to get him at minus 199, considering the game plan is there. There's no improvement from either fighter, or actually at least not from Maurice Green. You know, Jeff Hughes looked kind of improved in his last fight. So that's the end of my rant on that fight. You know, I said it on Twitter afterwards. I think I really got to uh, reevaluate uh, how much I trust fighters that are debuting in the UFC, no matter how good they look prior, no matter... You know, even if they've had a win over their fucking opponent within the last year with relative ease as well. So I got to kind of rethink my approach when it comes to that type of shit. And then uh, my second lock of the night play, which kind of, you know, helped alleviate some of the uh, the pain from the prior fights. Uh, Benil Dariush, uh, kind of dicey at the beginning, too, against uh, Drew Dober. Uh, I got him at five units at minus 189. Uh, profited for 2.65. You know, I knew as soon as this fight hit the mat, it was pretty much a wrap. Um, it was more so, you know, was Benil Dariush's chin there? I think that was a concern from a lot of people. Uh, but I don't trust Drew Dober to be that hard of a puncher to give Benil Dariush troubles. Like, we've seen Benil, uh, you know, eat some shots afterwards as well. He's fine. Like, he's he's decent. But if it was a harder puncher than Drew Dober, I'd be a little bit more concerned. And I probably wouldn't be as comfortable putting five units on Benil Dariush. But this time around, I thought it was a no-brainer. Uh, you know, yeah. Like, uh, there's guys like Junior Dos Santos is another guy that has that kind of misconception of having a iffy chin. Those shots that Benio Dariush got hit with by Alexander Hernandez and 
Edson Barboza were just like fucking cannons from outer space. It's going to take a heavier puncher than Drew Dober to put ben, put Benio Darius out again. Yet, he may have had Darius on a little bit of hurt legs, but it wasn't enough to put his lights out like those other guys were able to. So, uh, I'm happy that I got the win with Drew Dober. So, at the end of it all, minus 1.9 units on... Uh, Minus 1.9 units on UFC Wichita. So that means I go back to free picks, you lucky motherfuckers. It's all good. You know, I I, I made this policy kind of when I started this whole thing because I thought that was the most fair to do it for everybody. You know, people that have never experienced the, the picks before get a taste of it. And uh, it's a way for me to bring in, you know, more more followers in a sense, more guys that are, are willing to trust my picks and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, we're back to free plays for UFC London. And I'm not too mad at it. I don't mind sharing my picks out there a little bit more. Uh, But that's totally fine. I'm cool with it. (laughs) All right. So let's just get right the fuck into it. Uh, Quickly, before I do start, tape index. Make sure you guys hit that shit up. It's on Newsom's website, newsomemma.co.uk. Make sure you guys check out the tape index. It's going to help you guys out. If you guys aren't sold on certain takes that I may have or anybody else may have, go fucking do the work yourself. It's as easy as a click fucking away. Uh, Stats right there so you guys can hit up Fight Metric, which is now UFC stats. It has all your stats for every UFC fight that these guys have been a part of. And then, uh, uh, you know, every one of their fights a click away. Uh, Obviously, you need to have UFC fight passes. That's the easiest way to you know, get to 75% of these fights. Uh, but I do have most, if not all, of the uh, local fights from these fighters uh, dating back all the way from t- 2013. So I'm doing it to help you guys out. It was Newsom's idea. You know, I'm just helping him carry it out. And uh, I think together we're going to fucking help, uh, you know, help out the community as a whole. Anyway, let's get down to what the fuck you guys are here for. Let's get these breakdowns going. So <laughs> first fight. We got uh, Mike Grundy versus Nad Niramani. So this is going to be a very intriguing fight. The odds currently sit at... Where are you at? This is all by sport bet. Minus 186 for Nad Niramani, plus 169 for Mike Grundy. These guys kind of bring in the same style. So it's going to be very interesting to see who is able to implement their style a little bit better. You know, they they kind of have the same experience or same pro MMA experience. Uh, you know, Grundy's coming in with 14 fights. Nad Niramani's coming in with 12. Uh, they both have a very grapple-heavy and a grapple-imposing game. You know, Mike Grundy does not make any bones about it. Yeah, you know, he's a kind of a guy that might mess around on the feet for about 30 seconds or so but then he's going for a takedown or at least initiating some sort of clinch that will eventually lead to a takedown um you know it's obvious he likes that position um with that near money it's kind of the same thing so it's really going to come down to who is able to impose their game a little bit more i i don't i can't really put my hand or my finger on it um I think if you're going to put that the odds were at what they were, so even at plus 170, I don't know if I would put the money on Mike Grundy at that point. I think I think he really held up some value at uh, at plus 200 and above, which is where I saw a lot of people get him at. So you know they're pretty much the same height. I'm very intrigued to see though uh, who is going to look uh, bigger at least uh, when they face off during weigh-ins or anything like that. So they're both five eight. 
uh, you know, there's no real reach out there for my Grundy, at least that I can get access to right off the bat. But uh, it's a fight that I'm currently passing on. It's just it's so tough to see or know which guy is going to have the advantage when it comes to grappling when they've both been so dominant with it in their you know most recent wins. So I'm just going to go with Nadmir Naramani by decision. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see Mike Grundy be the stronger and more durable one here. But both guys are almost mirror images of each other. It's just that Nad Nirmani has two more UFC fights than uh, Mike Grundy has. And also, Mike Grundy is coming in as a debuting UFC fighter. So uh, you guys heard me when I, was, when I was just breaking down fucking my Jeff Hughes bet uh, and what my thoughts are currently on debuting UFC fighters. Uh, but yeah, my pick is going to be Nad Nirmani by decision. Next up, we got Molly McCann versus Priscilla Cachoeira. Most people will remember Priscilla Cachoeira from that beating that Valentina Shevchenko dished out to her. Uh, she came into the UFC 7-0, or sorry, 8-0, uh, and thought she was the shit, and she got her shit kicked in. Uh, Mario Yamasaki almost murdered her. You know, <laughs> He probably could have stopped that fight on plenty of occasions, but he just, for some reason, did not. Regardless, um, here she comes back just over a year after she made her debut against Valentina Shevchenko, and she goes up against a very different <laughs> opponent in Melly McCann. You know, she doesn't have to worry about that aggressive, fucking crazy striking coming to her, uh, coming at her from Valentina Shevchenko. You know, Molly McCann is going to look more so to to close distance and all that. I don't really care for this fight. You know, with the odds currently sitting at, uh, you know, where is it? Just set it up. Uh, minus 181 for Molly McCann, plus 164 for Priscilla Cachuera. I would not bet Molly McCann out there, uh, but I also don't know if I can trust Priscilla Cachuera either. Um, who knows how fighters come back from such devastating losses like that. Maybe they might not come back looking at all what, what they were even before that loss, or they just come back and look fucking exceptional. So I don't know. I don't think the odds are worth betting on either side. Uh but for the fuck of it, I'm just going to pick Molly McCann. I, I might change my pick uh, later in the week. So don't be you know, pissed if you see me tweet out a, a Hail Mary parlay that I had like Priscilla Cachoeira on or some shit. But, uh, you know, this fight I don't, I don't even bother trying to get too far into. Next fight we got is Dan Ige versus Danny Henry. Uh, Dan Ige, uh, coming off of two straight wins, he is his only loss... Actually, his only loss in the UFC has been to Julio Arce. God damn. Ugh. As most of you guys know, I'm trying to like fucking uh, quit my part-time job so I can finally have some more time to myself and, and working on this a little bit more, putting some more time into it and some more, uh, you know, even more effort. Uh, so it's really taking up fucking my time and sleeping and all that shit, but... It's just a matter of time. I'm not I'm not too worried at all. <laughs> anyway, that's why I'm always like half tired when you guys are seeing me record this shit. But I want to get it out to you guys uh, regardless. Just because I love fucking doing it for you guys. And I know you guys enjoy watching me do it. So regardless, getting back to the fight. Danny Ige against Danny Henry. Um, we know Ige really wants to implement his grappling here. I think he has a sizable advantage on the ground. Even though Danny Henry is coming off of a... A submission over Hakeem Duato in his last fight. I think that was more so of just like a, a flash in the pan of Danny Henry's uh, jiu-jitsu skills. I think that Ige is obviously going to ha have the advantage here. Um, 
I don't know what to really make of Danny Henry yet. You know, uh, he holds a win over, like I said, Hakeem Duwadu, which is a very intriguing stat. Um, and then before that, you know, he beat a guy in Daniel Tamor who I don't really rate, nor do I think should be in the UFC. Uh, you know, he barely squeezed out a win there over Daniel Tamor. Uh, but the one thing in this fight is he does hold a very sizable uh, advantage in the height department. Uh, you know, he holds almost five inches over over Dan Ige, so it's going to be very interesting to see how Dan Ige uh, deals with that that reach disparity and if he's going to be able to close the distance or not. Um, I don't trust Dan Ige to. Uh, let's see. Are the odds worth it? Minus 152 for Ige. This might be something I'll look into a little bit more, but I think I'm pretty set on my plays, which you guys will hear about as I go on in this podcast. But uh, I, I'm going to go with Ige. You know what I mean? I think that that disparity between the striking of Henry and the striking of Ige is not as... Uh, that is not as wide as the grappling disparity between the two. I think that Ige will have kind of fun on the ground with Danny Henry if he's able to get it there. So, you know, sometimes being the shorter, stubbier guy might be the advantage and, you know, being lower to the ground and having your hips closer to the ground, that will allow the takedown to come easier for Danny or for Dan Ige if he's able to close the distance and even like clinch against the cage or something like that. So um, I'm going to go with Ige. I'll go with the grappler here. And I think he gets a second round uh, submission. All right. Let's keep it rolling. Next up, we got Tom Brees versus Ian Heinish. So this is a fight that I'm I'm very, very, very intrigued with. You know, so starting off with the line, uh, currently sitting at minus one thirty two for Tom Brees, uh, plus one eighteen for uh, for Ian Heinish. So the, the line has slowly been closing over the last couple of days. I'm seeing a lot of love for Ian Heinish on 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 the Twitter webs. Uh, you know, he's coming off a decision victory over Cesar Ferreira in his last fight. Um, you know, it's 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 impressive to get a guy that weathered in the UFC under your belt. Uh, you know, but there are some questions I have coming out of that fight. That's a fight that I watched a little bit earlier today, uh, just to you know, kind of freshen up my mind on it. You know, I've I've been thinking about a play on Ian Heinrich. I like his grappling heavy mindset. I like that you know he's he has a, he's very credentialed with his uh, his wrestling too. The one thing though is some of his fight IQ decisions, like like pulling for a guillotine against Cesar Ferreira in the first round. I think I think it was the first round or the second round, but. That's that's not gonna fly, you know. What I mean, like, I think that if he shows that type of uh, that type of lack of fight IQ against Tom Breeze, I think Tom Breeze is gonna take advantage of that. So I look back at Tom Breeze's fights, and the only fights he's really been taken down in, or the only fight he's been taken down in, is the Keita Nakamura fight. Uh, you know, Nakamura was get, able to get him down three times. Uh, so I don't think that Ian Heinrich will have much of an issue with getting uh, Tom Brees down. I think he's a, he's the better takedown uh, executioner uh, than uh, Keita Nakamura is, and especially he has the credentials to, to back that up. To, uh, but so I, I don't think that Ian Heinrich will have much issue getting Tom Brees down. My issue is how is he going to be able to keep top position? You know, Tom Breeze is a very good, big guy for this for this weight division, welterweight, middleweight, sorry, middleweight. I don't know why the fuck I'm tripping out. Uh, you know, 
he's a very big guy. Ian Heinrich, you know, starting at 5'11". We got uh, Tom Breeze at 6'3", 73 inch reach, while you get a 71-inch reach from uh, Ian Heinrich. So we know that Tom Breeze, is, his, his strengths are really catered towards the striking aspect of, of MMA. You know, very good a boxer, uh, very quick with his hands, great jab, great foot boom, movement. Uh, I believe he has a really good sense of range as well, too. So I think he does a good job of, of making sure he keeps fighters in their boxing range. Um, so kind of just like the last fight, it's going to be interesting to see whether... Ian Heinrich is going to be able to close the distance without eating too many big shots. Um, like I said, I don't think it will be hard for Ian Heinrich to get this fight to the ground. But Tom Breeze, one thing that he showed in that Keito Nakamura fight, and the fact that he's been working with guys like, uh, uh, fuck, Gordon Ryan. Uh, I can't, I'm trying to remember the other guy's name, but uh, it's slipping my mind at the moment. So, But he's working with a lot of top-level jiu-jitsu guys. You know I mean, he, he's had a, he recently had a jiu-jitsu match with... Uh, with Vinnie Magalhaes as well. <clears throat> so even though he's primarily known as a boxer, he does uh, work on his jiu-jitsu v- quite often. And I don't think he'll be in too much trouble if Ian Heinrich even got him to the ground. You know, one thing that we saw Tom Breeze do almost immediately every time Keita Nakamura got him down was go for a heel hook. So even though he got taken down once in each round, he still managed to win that fight decisively because he was able to reverse the position right. You know, quite easily as well so I'm, I'm highly considering a bet on tom breeze uh and i'm gonna s- sit and wait and see where those odds go because people are really high on ian heinish and i also think they're high on his grappling uh prowess and i, I do agree but i think that tom breeze is a different animal, animal than some of these guys and i think he's also going to have the better gas tank than Cesar fajera so it might be even more difficult him, for him in the third round to try to get a 6-3 guy uh, down, especially with the guy with such good foot, footwork uh, and great boxing, you're going to have to eat a lot of shots to close that distance. So, I I like Tom Breeze here. I'm going to pick him to win by third round TKO, um, and I may bet him. So just stay tuned to my Twitter, and you guys will find out. <laughs> but my fi- my official pick is going to be Tom Breeze by TKO third round. Let's move it on. Next up, we got Sapperbeg Safarov. Versus Nick Negumerino. Fuck. Negum. I heard one of the announcers say it the other day when I listened, when I was watching some of his fights. So I'm trying to nail it. Nick Negumerino. Like it almost sounds like Keanu. Like the end of his name is Keanu Rianu. Negumerianu. Whatever. Nick. We're going to call him Nicku. His nickname is Nicku. So we're going with Nicku. So Nicku. Uh, one thing that jumps off right off the bat, you know, one of the first things I saw on Twitter about this guy when he stepped into fight Saperbeg Safarov was the fact that all of his past opponents are pretty much cans. <laughs> uh, his past two opponents alone have a combined record of 12 and 28. I watched the Kovacs Komami Kalman fight, which was his second last fight, and that guy was old, stiff could barely fucking move you know I, I was surprised that he was able to fend off the rear naked choke as long as he did so that might be a little bit of concern if when you're talking about Niku uh but he's going up against a guy in Sapperbeg Safarov who I don't even think is that uh that uh talented so automatically I'm not even gonna bother looking at the odds this fight is a pass for me I'm not even gonna touch it too much unknown x-factors you know Nick's 
legitimacy? Is he a can crusher? Is he the Jordan Wright of fucking UFC London? Uh, and how good is or how not shitty <laughs> is Saperbeg Safarov? So I'm 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 gonna say I'm gonna say that Negmuru guy uh, when Nick wins by uh, submission, probably third round after Saperbeg gasses a bit, but don't put any fucking money on that fight. I beg of you. I beg of you to not put any. If you're going to touch anything, I would look at the fight doesn't go to decision. Those odds aren't out yet. It might be chalk as fuck. I am not sure. Uh, but that would probably be the only thing that I would touch in the fight. But I will definitely not bet it on my own. Next up. Uh, yeah, so I said Nick by third round submission. <laughs> might be completely off on that one. Next up, we got Mark D. Casey versus Joe Duffy. This is a very, very fun fight to think about. Um, you know, both guys have very good stand-up skills. Uh, Joe Joe Duffy, more of a, a, a boxer stance, more of a traditional boxer uh, type of striking. Uh, Mark D. Casey, a little bit more flashy, you know, likes to throw in his kicks a lot. Um, but the thing here is really going to be Joe Duffy's, uh, you know, frame, his ability to control distance. Uh, you know, he's going to be, wow, it says that to the same height. That has got to be off. God damn. I can't wait to see these guys kind of square off. Because Joe Duffy, in my opinion, has always looked like a bigger, uh, at least lankier, uh, lightweight compared to the rest of these guys. But his pre- precision, uh, his his power, his technique, I think is going to overwhelm uh, Mark Casey here. Uh, however, I do think it's going to remain a stand-up battle. Um, I I just don't trust uh, Mark D. Casey here, who currently sits at plus 186 and minus 214 for Joe Duffy. Uh, I, I can't trust Mark D. Casey. I think Joe Duffy is just too good on the feet. Um, I don't think that D. Casey has the, the, the chops to get this fight to the ground. I think Joe Duffy's takedown defense is good enough. Even if Mark does try to initiate any type of grappling, I wouldn't be surprised to see Joe Duffy initiate the grappling and maybe go for some sort of submission. Uh, but uh, I think this is this is Joe Duffy's fight. I I'll give it up to uh, to D. Casey. You know he is he is tough. Uh, he was able to withstand beatings from Nazrat, uh, Hackprast, and Drakkar Close. Even though Daniel Hooker ended up finishing him with a guillotine choke at the beginning of the third round. Uh, but I'm gonna go with Joe Duffy here. Uh, I think he gets a decision victory. I think he picks Mark, uh, picks Mark apart on the feet uh, to go on to a three round decision. Uh, but I would not bet uh, Joe Duffy at minus two fourteen. Um, you know he's coming off a pretty bad loss to James Vick, even though that was almost a year and four months ago, which is a good amount of time off. Uh, but uh, you know who he did have fights scheduled between that time, uh, so who knows what really happened there. But, uh, yeah, good amount of ta- uh, layoff for Joe Duffy to come back from such a bad... Now, it wasn't a horrible knockout, but he definitely got his brain rattled there uh, at UFC 217 back in November of 2017. So, good, good amount of time for him to be off, uh, but I'm going to take him he- here by decision over Mark D. Casey, but probably not a bit. Next up, Arnold Allen versus Jason Rinaldi. Jordan Rinaldi. Um, coming into or when the odds actually came out for this fight uh one thing that did strike my eye was jordan rinaldi uh you guys know i love grapplers i love uh you know the the advantage 
you know, especially when it's very significant. I love the advantage that it has because it allows our fighter to get into the most dominant position and safe positions as possible uh, and, you know, having to worry about shit. Uh, so I believe Jordan Rinaldi has the ability to get this fight to the ground. I expect him to hit a couple takedowns on Arnold Allen. However, I do not like his uh, his his ability or lack of ability to keep uh, his fighter down after he gets him down. I think Arnold Allen has shown a lot of improvements uh, in terms of trying to get up. You know, he had a lot to deal with with Mads Morel uh, in his last fight. Um, yeah, in his last fight. Uh, crazy how he managed to catch Mads Burnell in that front choke at the third round. <coughs> Ooh. Uh, and, you know, he, he had a lot of crazy scrambling uh, scenarios with Makwan Amir Khani. So I could see him having similar scrambles with Jordan Rinaldi, even though Rinaldi is the more uh, credentialed, uh, grappler here but you know Allen ever improving um, I think that he definitely will give Jordan Rinaldi problems and probably be able to continuously get back up uh, if not reverse positions at certain times but I think that the discrepancy in the striking is where it's going to matter so I think that when Arnold Allen is able to get this fight back up to the feet that's where Jordan Rinaldi is going to pay and I think that's where Arnold Allen uh, will eventually find himself in a TKO victory. Uh, I think that he gets a second round TKO over Jordan Rinaldi. Um, after Rinaldi, you know, maybe after a couple of successful takedowns, again, is just not able to keep Arnold Allen down. Arnold Allen. <laughs> He's not able to keep Arnold Allen down. Uh, and that's where Arnold starts, you know, putting his punches together um, and finishes Jordan Rinaldi in the second it kind of hurts to say that because I've won some money on Jordan Rinaldi in the past his brother even followed me on Twitter uh so that was cool but I, I just got to go against him here uh and pick Arnold Allen by second round TKO next up Jack Marshman versus John Phillips I am not giving you guys a fucking legit breakdown for this come on we know this is going to be a battle of the balls. Who has the bigger balls? Who's going to be able to stand there and fucking implement their striking and their aggressive style more? Uh, and that's pretty much all it's going to be. Don't expect the highest of martial arts in this contest. Just expect bombs. Um, you know, John uh, John Phillips is coming off of two losses to Charles Bird and Kevin Holland in both fights he got finished. Uh, and then Jack Marshman is coming off of two losses as well. Uh, he lost a decision to Carl Roberson in his last fight, which I bet the fight doesn't go to decision on that. Uh, but then eventually Carl Roberson, I believe, injured himself in the first round and had to resort to a more takedown-heavy, uh, safe route to a victory rather than a, a banger that I thought it was going to be. Uh, and then before that, he got submitted by ACJ uh, by rear naked choke. Um, so in this fight, I expect both guys to kind of just go out there and bang. Uh, they're just going to bang until somebody fucking drops. Um, I'm going to go with Jack Marshman just because I don't really like John Phillips. <laughs> so only thing I would bet in this fight is uh, fight doesn't go to decision, but that's probably going to be like minus 700 or some shit. So fuck it. That takes us to my first play that I actually have locked up for this event. I pretty much locked it up right after UFC Wichita was done because I was done the tape and I really liked what I saw. So I, I thought that this was the best line that I was going to get. I bet Claudio Silva at minus 147. He currently sits at, let's see what what the best price you can get him at now is. So I placed that on Saturday night, a.k.a. Sunday morning. 
the best price you can get is minus 144 on bet online. So I got him at minus 147. I believe it was on Pinnacle or Sportbet. I got to look back. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of people like Danny Roberts here. I, I've been seeing a lot of people bet on him, but it doesn't really reflect in the in the, in the betting line. So uh, let's break this motherfucker down. Uh, Claudio Silva has really only fought three times in the last five years. Uh, it could be a good thing. could be a bad thing. He has yet to lose a fight in his UFC career, so who the fuck are we to say anything? Uh, he has victories over Brad Scott, um, a split decision win over Leon Edwards, uh, a 22-year-old Leon Edwards, as most people are trying to say, <laughs> um, and then a Nordine, or a stupid Nordine Taleb. Uh, the one thing in this fight, so it's obvious, you know what I mean? Danny Roberts wants to keep it on the feet. He wants to try to outstrike Claudio Silva, maybe get a TKO eventually. Claudio Silva wants to get this fight to the ground. Claudio Silva has that. He has that. Uh, the 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 Han Yaya, the Damian Maya, the Pedro Munoz. He has that BJJ striking cockiness almost. You know he throws bombs. He is not the most technical. He is long though. He is definitely a long fighter who is able to cover a lot of distance with some of these winging shots that he throws. Um, you know, he might be giving up a little bit of size to Danny Roberts here, but I think that he his chin is good. Danny Roberts does hit hard. Yes, I do agree. But we have seen Danny Roberts get brutally KO'd twice, whereas Claudio Silva is still, still undefeated. Um, I believe that Claudio can throw enough heat in his shots to hurt Danny Roberts. And I think that's going to allow him to close the distance a little bit easier. I think that's going to allow him to get this fight, you know, pushed up against the fence. He's going to drag Danny, Danny Roberts down and slowly work for a submission. We saw how easy it was for him to get to, the to uh, you know, full mount in these fights that he's gotten past already. You know, he is a wizard on the ground, and I expect him to get top, top uh, or full mount within that first round. I expect him to close the distance with these, again, with his striking. Um... Danny Roberts, you know, decent footwork, but he found himself in some sticky situations with David Zwada, uh, and David Zwada was able to capitalize and get some of these takedowns as well. So I think that Claudio Silva has enough, you know, he's strong enough, uh, you know, he has a good enough grip to be able to get these guys down, drag them down. Uh, and I think that Danny Roberts won't be the guy to to stop Claudio Silva. I, I truly believe that this is Claudio Silva's fight. Um, and that, again, we always talk about the discrepancies between, you know, the striking aspect of the fight and the grappling aspect of the fight. And I think that the fact that the striking disadvantage is, you know, a notch or two below the discrepancy in the grappling, but I think that Claudio Silva's grappling obviously is more than, uh, Danny Roberts' striking advantage over Claudio Silva. So I really like Claudio Silva here. I, I don't know how else to, to word it for you guys. I mean, like, it's it's pretty straightforward, but I do see paths where Claudio Silva is able to close the distance and get this fight to the ground. Um, people talk about gas tanks. I don't think that uh, I don't think that Danny Roberts really has uh, the shots in him to get a, a knockout in the third round. You know, he did get... Uh, Bobby Nash near the end of the second round, but I think that Claudio Silva's just style of, you know, continuously closing the distance, 
uh, and getting a hold of Danny Roberts is not going to allow Danny Roberts to get off that shot. Um, I think, you know, Danny has a chance of landing in that first round, but I think uh, I, I trust Claudio Silva's ability to close the distance and get this fight to the ground more than I do Danny Roberts' chance to, to land cleanly enough on Claudio Silva to pull him out in instances where we've seen Claudio Silva's chin keep up. So my pick is actually going to be Claudio Silva by second round. No, first round submission. Fuck it. I'm calling it. First round submission. Claudio Silva, he gets Danny Roberts down and, and rear naked chokes him. Mic drop. <laughs> All right. Uh, next fight is another fight I am highly considering. So uh, earlier this week, we saw Nathaniel Wood at minus 250. Since then... His price has gotten worse. Uh, right now, what's the best we can get him at? Minus 271 on Pinnacle. You know, on Sportbed, he was at minus 250-ish. Yeah, minus 244 for like three hours, two or three hours. Uh, and then he went back up. If his price gets back to minus 250, I will be betting him as a lock of the night play. I think he definitely has this fight over Jose Quinones, who has shown much deficiencies in his striking. And... Uh, not the greatest jiu-jitsu considering, considering he has jiu-jitsu tattooed across his fucking chest. Oh, there we go. Yeah, considering we have jiu-jitsu tattooed across his fucking chest. So, uh, Nathaniel Wood is a fucking prospect. Hey, I think this fight, maybe one more fight after this, he should probably drop that prospect nickname and call himself the, the king or the one or some shit like that. Uh, but... That kid is super fucking talented. I think he has many opportunities to win this fight, whether it's on the feet or even on the ground. But I think that he's going to pick out like his his speed with his striking, his distance management. He's just I'm very very impressed with him. You know, I didn't really pay too much attention to him, but once I really dug into this tape because I I've, I've always liked fading or thought about fading Jose Alberto Quinones, uh, and I think this is a prime uh, spot to. However, uh, I think the odds are just too wide, man. I can't justify myself to pay minus 270 for Nathaniel Wood at this point. So um, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I, it, it may be a parlay piece. It may be a parlay piece. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, just you know, keep, a line, keep an eye on that line. If you're able to get better than minus 250, I would consider him a lock of the night play. And again, if he hits that line before uh, the fights kick off on Saturday... I will play that. Just saying. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take Nathaniel Wood by second round TKO. I think he eventually overwhelms Jose Canones on the feet, drops him, and just pounds him out. Next up, we got Volkan Ozdemir versus Dominic Reyes. A very very intriguing fight in the light heavyweight division. However, a very unfortunate image of Volkan Ozdemir that we're coming back to. So Uzmir is coming off of two uh, finishes, uh, one to Daniel Cormier, which was his title shot back in January of 2018, and then he fought Anthony Smith uh, in October of 2018 and eventually lost in the third round via rear naked choke. Showed very poor gas tank in that fight. You know, I bet Vulcan Ozdemir in that fight. I thought he was a shoe in I thought he was going to land on Anthony Smith and put him out. But Anthony Smith, you know, his chin held up. But I also don't think Evokin Uzumir was able to land clearly enough on uh, Anthony uh, to make that big of a, a difference. Um, but I think we've seen what there is to see with Evokin Uzumir. And I think that Dominic Reyes is the perfect fighter to expose those things. But one thing always is, is 
Vulcan does show that he has power. And I think that if he clips Dominic Reyes, it could be an issue for Dominic Reyes. Um, Reyes is going to have to be very, very methodical in this fight. He can pick pick apart Vulcan Uzdemir on the feet. I truly believe that. I also think that he might be able to get this fight to the ground and kind of, you know, work his jiu-jitsu as well. Um, you know, we've shown, we've seen Vulcan Ozdemir show deficiencies in his grappling. And I think that Dominic Reyes is talented enough in that aspect, even though he's relatively young in his, uh, pro MMA career. I think he shows enough of, uh, talent in that realm to give Vulcan Ozdemir an issue. So I'm going to be taking Dominic Reyes here. I think that he'll get a second round submission, uh, after, you know, kind of lighting Vulcan Ozdemir up on the feet too. I think he's very talented on the feet too, but I think he's going to be a problem with jujitsu for a lot of these guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's he's just been deading people uh, with punches and stuff, too. He has two submission victories, too, but he's shown a lot of good grappling uh, in his fights as well. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him light up, light up Vulcan Ozemir on the feet and then cement himself as, like, a top 10-ish uh, light heavyweight in the UFC's div- uh, head light heavyweight division, uh, which is in very much need of a lot of prospects right now, considering the fact that Anthony Smith just fought at, uh Sorry, John Jones just fought Anthony Smith, uh, who was a former middleweight, and now is probably on track to fight another middleweight who just came up to light heavyweight uh, in Tiago Santos. So Dominic Reyes, Johnny Walker, Alexander Rakic. Uh, there's another Dagestani dude that's going to be making his return. I think he's coming back from a USADA violation or some shit. But I think light heavyweight is slowly on the rise uh, and might be one of the, the glamour divisions as it was back in the day. Uh, but, f- uh, sorry, for my pick, uh, I'm going to take Dominic Reyes by his second round submission. Next up, we got Leon Rocky Edwards against Gunnar Gunny Nelson, a possible bet of mine here. Um, I love Gunnar Nelson. I think he's a very talented fighter. Um, you know, his loss to Santiago Ponzinibbio was very uh, unfortunate. Uh, you know, completely got out grappled by Damian Maya, lost a split decision to, to Rick Story. Uh, but, you know, had an absolute war in his last fight against Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Um, I really like uh, Gunny Nelson. Like, in terms of his 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 striking, he isn't the most powerful, uh, but he has a very, you know, karate-style uh, base with his striking. Um, but Leon Edwards is the more traditional stand-up fighter. Uh, you know, very good Muay Thai, very good kickboxing, very good boxing. Uh, obviously wants to keep this fight on the feet. You know, Gunnar Nelson is next level with his jiu-jitsu. Um, so uh, there's going to be a couple intriguing factors of this fight. You know, Leon Edwards could absolutely beat up Gunnar Nelson's lead leg, which will, you know, kind of take off that pop from Gunnar Nelson in this fight. Um, I am intrigued by the fight. Does it go to decision prop on this? And I will definitely look at it. Um because I think that if Gunnar Nelson gets this fight to the ground, I think he's going to kind of have a field day with Leon Edwards on the ground, to be honest. Uh, but I also think that if Leon Edwards is able to keep this, feet on the f- uh, this fight on the feet, uh, he should be able to outstrike Gunnar Nelson and maybe even, like, stop him. Like, you know, again, beat up that front leg, kind of render Gunnar Nelson immobile, and then just pick him apart on the feet, maybe get a, some sort of a TKO. So if it's at a decent plus money, it might be something that I might poke now that I'm thinking about it. But again, as of... Uh, Tuesday at 6.20 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we don't have any odds on the fight doesn't go to decision, so I can't really comment on that. Um, but I'm going to possibly take an underdog shot with Gunnar Nelson here. Um, 
I think he does enough damage on the feet to get this fight to the ground with his karate before the leg kicks start to add up. Um, you know, he's going to have to eat some shots from uh, from Leon Edwards, but I trust in his chin. I think that he's weathered enough to, you know, he's just so good. I, I love Gunny, man. I, I really think he's a really good fighter. And again, his advantage on the ground going to be fucking miles apart from uh, Leon Edwards' advantage on the feet. Uh, I'm trying to find the odds here, sorry. Plus 138 on Sportbet for Gunnar Nelson, minus 152 for Leon Edwards. I'm going to be keeping my eye on that throughout the week. I think there might be more money that comes in on Leon Edwards. Uh, if Gunnar Nelson gets to an intriguing level, which I would say probably around plus 150, uh, I would still wait and still see where that goes, but I would consider a better bet at that point. Um, but just keep your eyes peeled on my my Twitter feed um that's where you guys can get the most up-to-date bets pretty much um i i very rarely have an official bet already made on like you know the claudio silva bet that i have from earlier today or this earlier from this podcast but um you have to really see uh the twitter feed to know like up to date if i'm going to be betting something uh especially as the fight fights get closer throughout the week uh so my play on this is going to be gunner nelson by second round submission Gunnar Nelson, second round submission. All right. It's main event time. I'm going to give this bitch three horns. We got Darren Till versus Jorge Masvidal. I am super stoked to have Jorge Masvidal back at it. He hasn't fought since he fought Wonderboy Thompson all the way back at UFC 217. Um, <clears throat> same night that Joe Duffy got knocked out by James Clark, James James Vick, James Clark, what the fuck, James Vick. <clears throat> uh, so with Jorge Masvidal, the one thing about him that really irks me uh, is that it seems like in some of his fights he just decides not to show up. <coughs> More often than not, it kind of happens in a fight that kind of has a lot of meaning and a lot of marbles on the table if you want to call it that you know the ally quinta fight the benson henderson fight the lorenz larkin fight you know what i mean these are fights that it seems like he just didn't show up to you know when he does show up ross pearson jake ellenberg donald cerrone i believe he was the underdog in that fight too if i'm not mistaken um if he shows up he has all the makings of a champion in my opinion he has the skills he has the experience at fucking 45 fights now. This will be his 46th fight. He has that fighter mentality that will allow you to win many of fights. It just goes to show in this fight that he's going to be massively undersized, I believe. 5'11", 73 inch for Jorge Masvidal, 6 foot, 75 inch for Darren Tell, but I'm sure it's going to be more pronounced when we actually see them face to face. Um... So there's going to be a couple questions of whether Jorge Masvidal is going to show up. Whether whether he is able to actually mentally be there for this fight too in terms of is he actually in it still? Like is he does he still want it? Like, you know, like in this time since he's been off since 2011 or 2017, I know he's done a lot of like Spanish shows, he's done a lot of Latino things, you know, he's done a lot of acting. Uh, a lot of like agency work, some other shit. So was he training during that time? You know, we've seen some pictures of him looking like he's 
coming right off the set of Castaway or some shit, but, you know, how much is his heart really still in this? Uh, but if he is just reinvigorated by the fact that he's getting a main event slot against a guy who just fought for the title, you know, because a win over Darren Till here could mean, you know, a skyrocket for Jorge Masvidal. You know, where we have a new reign with uh, Kamaru Usman. So, like a lot of people have been saying, the welterweight division has kind of been juggled up now. So, the guys that have lost to Tyron Woodley, like now Wonderboy Thompson, you know, he's fighting Anthony Pettis coming up in a couple weeks. And now he easily is able to, you know, be in contention for a title now because we have a new we have a new champion. So, with Jorge Masvidal, it means the exact same thing. You get a victory over a guy who just fought for the title. You put yourself right in line to, you know, fight for the title if you get a victory here. He's got five rounds to work with the striking of Darren Till. He's got five rounds of, you know, dealing with that frame. I think he has the cardio, the experience, and the the veterancy to take this fight at a pace that will, you know, deterior, deteriorate Darren Till over five rounds. You know, we all know Darren Till's issues with his weight cut. He always fucking has trouble making weight. The motherfucker is just huge for 170. But I think that Jorge Masvidal, you know, a guy that used to fight at 155, um, you know, way back in the day, I think 2016 is when he had his last lightweight fight. He's going to be fully hydrated. He's going to be fully ready to go in this fight. And I think that his, um, you know, he, he has good enough striking. He has a good enough all-around game to give Darren Till a little bit of a fit. So that might sound like I'm jerking off <laughs> Jorge Masvidal here. Again, who sits at plus 206 uh, with uh, Darren Tilson at minus 234. Those odds are just too wide for me, you know. If anything, I would poke Jorge Masvidal at those odds. But anything worse than minus 200 on Darren Till, I'm passing on. Anything better than minus 200, I'm probably playing Darren Till. I don't think I'll touch him in this fight because I already have my plays kind of set and I know what I want to bet. Um, and there are still some questions surrounding this fight because I know how good Jorge Masvidal can be. So don't just go into this fight thinking that Dar Darren Till is just a sure bet, a shoe win, because Jorge Masvidal can come up, show the fuck up, and Donald Cerrone, this motherfucker, you know, he could, he could make a statement. Uh, but just too many questions surrounding him as well. So it's a pass on my end, but I'm going to take, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to take Darren Till by fourth round TKO. <laughs> I know I've been fucking stroking Jorge Masvidal here, but I still think that this is a fight for Darren Till to win. Again, using his size, using his power, uh, his striking is going to be really good too. Um, I don't know how Jorge Masvidal is going to react when he when he gets hit by a guy that big. So, um, <clears throat> just uh, considering all the X factors that are coming in for Jorge Masvidal's side, you know, the layoff, everything he's done since then, whether he's been trading or not, I got to go with Darren Till here. You know, he's he's on a fucking a bullet train back to the title shot. I, I think that he's his mentality is like next level shit, and I think that... Uh, you know, whoever he was going to fight after he conceived his first loss uh, was going to be in some trouble. And unfortunately, it's going to be Jorge Masvidal this time around. So I'm going to take uh, Till by fourth round TKO. Um, but don't be surprised if you see a uh, fucking Jorge Masvidal show the fuck up. So that's pretty much it for this week's show. Uh, quick things I want to touch on. Combatasaurs, you know, great fucking, uh, great 
great effort. I'm going to pat myself on the fucking back. Fuck you guys. I thought we did a great job. Um, I love the chemistry that me and Tony have. I can't wait to continue to do more shows. We have a lot of fun things. Like me and Big Rob, we just literally had like a little bit of a meeting right now uh, before we started re- recording this. And we just talked about ways that we can innovate it, make it better, make it more appealing, make it more visually appealing. Uh, and also, I've finally fucking come around to uh, getting this shit available in audio source too. So you might be actually listening to this on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and eventually iTunes. I'm going to be hooking that shit up within the next day or two. So uh, everything will be posted on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Though obviously the only video version that you guys will be able to see is the YouTube version. But I want to make this available across all platforms. I know a lot of you have been asking for it, and I finally fucking delivered. I'm sorry it took so long, but here the fuck we are. But blam, baby. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at MMALOTN to keep up with all of my bets. Um, anything that I'm considering, any thoughts that I have, I just fucking tweeted it out. Um, and my DMs are always open if you guys want to talk fights. The comments are always open below the video as well on YouTube if you guys are listening there. Um, I'm more than happy to converse with you guys regarding fights, matchups, my takes, your takes, his takes, who the fuck's takes. I don't give a fuck. I'm down to talk to you guys. It's It's fun. It's what I want to do for a living, so I just, I love fucking talking it. Um, we're going to be dropping something very shortly too uh, in in conjunction with the Combatosaurs, which I think is going to be very fun. Uh, and then the next Combatosaurs episodes are actually going to be taped uh, beginning of April, and I believe we're going to be going bi-weekly after that. So none of this monthly shit. We're going to go a little bit harder. We're going to make it more fun. Uh, it's going to be a great fucking time. So, yeah. Next week, UFC Nashville, headlined by Showtime Pettis and Wonderboy Thompson. Going to be a great fight. Can't wait to break it down. I got to remember what the rest of the card looks like, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But doesn't matter. UFC London this week. Got one bet up, which is Claudio Silva locking the night play so far. A couple other bets that I'm considering by watching where the lines go. Again, keep up at MMALOT on, on Twitter. Like, subscribe, do all the shit below the video on YouTube. Subscribe on SoundCloud. Spotify, whatever the fuck you got to do to stay up to date. I will keep you guys in the loop. All right, that's it. I promise. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. Later. Peace.